welcome to Beyond BIM. Today's episode is a deeper look into Construction 4.0 from an academic's perspective. I recently had a peer-reviewed paper come back with some comments, and that had questioned the term Construction 4.0. So I wanted to dig deeper and find out more. Is Construction 4.0 just another consultant's catchphrase, or is there more to this transition? I had the pleasure of speaking to Professor Paul Chan. He joined me and shared his thoughts on the debates around Construction 4.0 and making sense of the changing markets in construction. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul Chan is the Professor of Design and Construction Management at the Faculty of Architecture in the Built Environment at TU Delft in the Netherlands. Paul has developed a track record in studying how people cope with organizational, social and technological change, particularly in the context of construction. Currently, he's the principal investigator of a very interesting research project called Stepping Out. It's a five-year program which is examining transdisciplinary learning for addressing multiple sustainable transitions. He is also editor-in-chief of the very prominent Construction Management and Economics Journal and a committee member of ARCOM, also a very prominent construction-related conference. He has authored and co-authored over 100 peer-reviewed journal and conference articles. So, with his experience in the wider academic realm, I thought I would hear his thoughts on Construction 4.0. And now, let's take a listen to what Paul has to say directly on the state of Construction 4.0. I would like to start off by having some additional clarity on the concept of Construction 4.0. I know you've talked about this and you've also published on the topic. So let's start with, for the novice, what is Construction 4.0? Thank you, Erica, for the invitation. I'm also still trying to make sense of Construction 4.0. And recently, I've kind of been reviewing research uh, in this area. Uh, So for the novice, um, I think Construction 4.0 was inspired by the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, And of course, the Fourth Industrial Revolution follows on from the first, second and third. Uh, So the first industrial revolution was uh, really the discovery of uh, steam engines, uh, you know, the idea of uh, actually being able to organize production in a factory. And then it kind of went on from there to uh, the assembly line, uh, uh, introducing more uh, mechanization. uh, And then the uh, electronics came into uh, the revolution. Uh, So from the second to the third uh, revolution, we became more uh, computerized. And in the fourth revolution, uh, it's actually um, not really the development of new technologies per se, but actually the kind of uh, combination of uh, different technologies, mainly the kind of virtual digital technologies uh, uh, connected to the kind of physical uh, forms of production. Uh, So sometimes you hear terms like cyber physical networks because it connects the virtual world with the physical world. And the fourth industrial revolution or industry 4.0 was uh, sort of popularized in Germany. Uh, And this was around the uh, 2011. Uh, And I suppose at that time, people were trying to find new ways uh, of actually coming out of the global financial crisis 
uh, how do we kind of rethink the forms of production. Now in construction, uh, we have kind of adopted the kind of thinking behind the fourth industrial revolution, uh, but we've kind of phrased it as construction 4.0, I guess to make it more relevant to the stakeholders and key actors within the sector. But the fundamental principles behind that is still trying to connect the the virtual technologies, the digital technologies, so for instance, uh, BIM, building information modeling, uh, or actually nowadays building information management, uh, I would say, uh, together with more industrialized uh, forms of production. But there is an argument to be made, and this is often also debated, whether construction 4.0 is just a consultant's catchphrase. Is this something that you're seeing happening across the construction-related journals? Is this a contested idea? And can it also be deemed as a consultant catchphrase? Or is it simply the interpretation of our sector in adopting concepts that are more broadly aligned with the manufacturing sector? If you look at where Construction 4.0 became more popular, it was indeed started in the kind of consulting uh, circles. So for instance, we have uh, the World Economic Forum uh, had, uh, in, I think it was in 2018, that they actually uh, you know, had a sort of panel discussion uh, with a lot of uh, CEOs from uh, construction companies. And they were trying to figure out how we can actually uh, harness the power, potential power of uh, the fourth industrial revolution. And of course, I think this started to spark the imagination, uh, particularly among the kind of more senior, more strategic managers uh, in the sector, I guess. Um, but then also you have uh, a lot of annual surveys from the likes of PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, you also have McKinsey. These are kind of really big names in the consulting world. Uh, and they also regularly uh, talk about the, uh, the, the prospects of adopting the, this idea of uh, Industry 4 uh, in construction. Uh, in the latest guys, uh, you have uh, McKinsey, I think in 2020, came out with a report, the next normal uh, in construction. And of course, that has a kind of connotation with, uh, you know, rethinking or reimagining a post-COVID world. So indeed, I think that there is some degree of consultancy or consulting thinking there. Um, but I think sometimes we need some sort of... Uh, uh, new terms to kind of let us reimagine uh, a lot of the kind of uh, agendas that we, we all know we need to kind of uh, perhaps maybe um, rethink the ways we produce buildings, I guess. Um, in terms of construction management, I think uh, Industry 4 or even Construction 4.0, uh, these terms are still fairly new uh to the construction management literature if you look at a lot of the uh, research around this area they tend to focus on the technical side of things so you know looking at uh, for instance uh, what do the internet of things what can that bring in terms of productivity uh improvements uh you look at for instance blockchain technologies uh so a lot of it is really about technologies uh, but I think that actually uh, the management challenge is more than just technical. And we need to start thinking about how is that going to change uh, the kind of social relationships uh, in the sector? Uh, how is it going to change the ways in which we interpret 
you know, uh, the age-old uh, ways of uh, producing buildings. Huh? So, you know, how does it challenge the ways we think about specifications, about contracts, uh, and contractual relationships uh, between different parties? Uh, who are the kind of new stakeholders that are kind of emerging? And is that necessarily good also for the sector? Uh, so, for instance, we often kind of think about construction companies being the contractors uh, who are going to be producing the buildings. But you have the likes of uh, Google, uh, Amazon, you know, uh, who are also very interested in uh, coming into the built environment sector. So we're going to kind of see a lot of uh, uh, new emerging companies uh, coming in. So how does that kind of change the makeup of the sector? And I think those are kind of really important debates uh, that we need to address. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we've also seen similarities where the IT juggernauts are making the best use of the times. And timing is indeed everything when it comes to new entrants into the markets. And if you had any doubt before, there should be none left anymore during the COVID pandemic that these particular new entrants and existing IT juggernauts are vying up for new services, even in the tangible market, that being construction. Indeed, but that's not always an inevitable path. So one of the interesting uh, questions is, of course, we hear of the Googles and the Amazons of this world. And indeed, we also have uh, IKEA, uh, the Swedish uh, furniture company, who also um, developed the Booklook homes, which are the kind of uh, flat pack homes, if you like. They've been uh, trying to get into the kind of global markets for, I would say, more than a decade now. Uh, and they're still kind of trying to penetrate. And so uh, these large companies, it's not always inevitable that they will dominate the market or actually get uh, quite a sizable market share. And we have seen that recently also in Toronto, where they were trying to kind of um, uh, develop the waterfront. Uh, and of course, Sidewalk Labs was uh, part of Google Inc. Uh, was actually, uh, well, Alphabet Inc., I think it's, it's called, that's a Google um, mm -hmm. company. And they wanted to kind of uh, participate uh, and actually drive the kind of uh, new master plan. And I think where they fell short of uh, is that the focus seems to be on technologies. And so they have these wonderful reimagination of raincoats for buildings and, you know, uh, pavements that can uh, heat up and, and melt the snow in the winter. And, and all that technology is really great. But then you have to ask yourself, what is it for? So what, what are the actual outcomes you're trying to address? Uh, and I think in the end, they didn't get through because there were kind of concerns around data privacy, for instance. You know, uh, do people actually know that their buildings are going to be uh, part of the surveillance uh, system? Uh, and I think these fears can be quite real uh, because now we have such sophisticated technologies that can recognize people's faces, uh, and you know, identify them. So I think there are there are really ethical debates uh, around this uh, the use of technology. Yes, and there are two viewpoints on this. One is to take the approach to debate against, which is to view this as surveillance capitalism, a term coined by Shoshana Zuboff. 
But on the other hand, there are those that are seeing the positives of these types of technologies, and we're seeing an increased prominence in the adoption of computer vision technologies on construction sites. Although we're at early stages with this type of technology to monitor construction workers, they are beginning to slowly proliferate our construction sites. Yes, and also they are also beginning to take the production process away from the construction site. So you also have a more industrialized building process. I visited a factory in China, for instance, and their driver is principally demographic. They realize that they have an aging population, so maybe they wouldn't have the number of workers that would be able to kind of produce buildings in the way they do. And I was also rather uh, intrigued by the fact that I saw a 70-year-old woman uh, who was actually working in the factory. Uh, you know, um, I mean, of course, then you have to ask the question, why would you want to work at that age? But uh, she was able to kind of just press a few buttons and then the robots, uh, you know, the machines take over. Um, And and I think we're going to see more of that uh, when there's a lot of pressure in terms of getting workers, for instance. Uh, And in a lot of countries where uh, we depend on migrant workers, uh, and of course now in this uh, situation where we cannot travel uh, and things are a bit more restrictive, then I think actually there is a kind of push towards uh, uh, harnessing the power of these uh, these technologies. Now, Paul, you're a prominent academic. For those that are outside of academia, can you give some examples of some of the more prominent debates in the academic realm with regards to digitization of construction? And within that context, have you noticed any trends with some of the papers that are being published? I would say that there are always many debates in the academy. Uh, So it's really difficult to choose a very specific one because they're all kind of interconnected. But what I would say is actually the debate, the, the key debate in my view is the debate around value and values. Uh, So I think there's a lot of uh, interest in these uh, digital technologies because they think that we're going to kind of improve our productivity and profitability. And those are indeed quantitative measures that are really important for the companies to also survive and make sure that they have enough to reinvest. But I think beyond that, there is also a kind of qualitative dimension uh, to value in, in terms of the outcomes. Uh, Is it just about making uh, uh, buildings faster and cheaper? And I would say, actually, it is not just about that. It's also about what kinds of society we want to kind of create. Um, And I think construction work itself is not just about producing buildings at cost and scale, uh, but it's also about a sense of identity. So people also want to cherish working in a sector that they feel proud of. Uh, Certainly, I've heard of so many people who work in the sector and they are really proud of the artifacts that they produce. Uh, And so I think one of the questions is how can we replicate that uh, sort of craftsmanship uh, also through these digital technologies? And um, associated with that, I think that with any uh, technological advancement, there is always this sense that we are going to be more efficient. Well, that's true. 
But I think that there is also a limit to that. Uh, so if we think about uh, word processes coming in, uh, basically they make us type things faster. And of course, we reach to a point where we are efficient, and then that's it. I think that if we are going to use these new technologies in the same old way of doing stuff, and, and the rationality doesn't change, then it's just a better tool. But I think that there is the power for these technologies to let us reimagine um, other ways of doing things. So I think that there are these kind of debates, I think, that are happening in the academy uh, and really trying to question the rationality behind uh, these technological pushes, I suppose. Yeah, that's a very valid point. And it's also a topic uh, that I've had discussions with previous speakers on my podcast, such as Jennifer Schooling, where she discusses the penultimate value of construction and the built environment, and she questions what it is and discusses the point of view of the built environment being a socio-technical system, meaning that it always has a interconnection between the social elements of our society. I guess it's also part of a wider debate that connects with ultimately systems thinking. If I maybe chime in on that, I think this is a really interesting point because we all we often think of construction being a very localized activity. And in a way, uh, it is localized because it is in a project that is situated in a particular point uh, uh, in space. Uh, so there's local labor, local materials, etc. But I think industrialized construction and digital allows us to expand beyond borders. Uh, and in a way, that could be a good thing if we start to kind of think about, uh, you know, uh, circularity, for instance, we have to become much more sustainable in the ways that we do not uh, uh, harm the world and use uh, the resources excessively. Then we need to start to think about the geography of where we uh, where we do our activities. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there are also debates around global capital. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if the feeling is that large companies are exploiting uh, these open borders, uh, then I think we will see a lot more resistance uh, in society. So I think this local and global tension, I think is going to be much more intense uh, as, as we move forward. And finally, for a little bit of inspiration to our uh, academic researchers who might be listening, what advice would you give, Paul, especially for early career academics and researchers within our field? And I would say particularly when they're thinking about trying to create impact or change. Um, so what I would say is, don't uh, be too uh, attracted by the hype, I would say. Uh, we've all been there before and sometimes looking back to the past and trying to figure out these technological changes that we've been through might actually unlock the key, uh, uh, provide the, the clue to the uh, what we're going to face in the future. Uh, and I think that maybe we need to look back in, uh, in time uh, to find what is actually of good impact to society and also to our work. And finally, a heartfelt thank you to all of our followers who have been with us so far. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then please follow us on LinkedIn or YouTube. And better yet, share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Thank you.